0: Well, it's good to have all of you back tonight. I appreciate it. I know there'll be more to be be coming in, here in a minute. Like I said, the young adults class always does that. I've never been to a young adults class that didn't have everybody showing up late. That's what it is, because you have to deliver all those kids over to the nursery, right? <laughs> That's what it is. Well, tonight, <coughs> what I want to do is I want to, come on in guys, <coughs> excuse me, I want to spend some time, to, uh, can you give me a water? be great. I think I have one back there or someone. No, I don't have one back there. Can you get one? That'd be great. Appreciate Thank you. It. Um, I wrote this about two years ago for a friend of mine. He asked me to speak at his church for uh, uh, Valentine's Day in Texas when I was there. And of course, if I mention Texas around Jeff, he gets all giddy. <laughs> yeah, we, both my girls were born in Texas and stuff. So we have, we, we told them today that we, we're, 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 covered. Because if 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 everything goes as some people think it will, and Texas ends up becoming its own republic, because both my girls were born there, we have free entry. <laughs> we, we get to be, we don't have to apply. We get to be there. Okay, I can go in under them. So, come on in, guys. Come on in. But anyway, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about um, is love, real love, possible, and how to make it last, and what is love define? What is it? What I want to do is take about forty five minutes and kind of walk through this. And then I want to give us about 15, 20 minutes just to kind of answer some questions and kind of walk through some of that. We talked about the family this morning, and that was good to, to, to deal with some, some basics and stuff from that. But I really want us tonight just to kind of walk through this one passage and, and see what it really says to us, okay? So let's kind of, uh, let me lead this in a word of prayer, and then we'll get started, okay? Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for your blessing. I ask you that tonight your Holy Spirit would speak in this time. God, that we will be, you will be glorified in all that we do and all that we say. I thank you, Father. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's kind of walk through this. First of all, Ephesians 5, 31 through 33 says, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. If there's a bigger mystery than marriage, I don't know what it is. (laughs) I don't have a clue. But I know that God put all this together for us, okay? It's a great mystery, all right? But I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you, in particular, so love his own wife as himself. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now... I'm going to be an equal opportunity offender tonight, okay? I'm going to deal with some stuff on both sides, men and women. This morning, you know, I kind of gave the men a hard time there at the very end because I think that that whole idea of the blessing, much of it goes back to them. What's interesting is, guys, I did a, a I wrote a, a, a message for a campus church a while back uh, called Eight Characteristics of a Godly Man," and it goes. I went into the statistics of of all that takes place and where men should be and all this kind of stuff. And the interesting thing. Uh, You mentioned this morning the persecuted church. The guy who wrote the book on the persecuted church was with us a while back. And he mentioned something that was interesting. He said, for short-term missions, you will have three women to every one man that will go on a trip. For long-term missions, it's like seven women for every one man. For long-term and it being the most dangerous places, it's ten women for every one man. So us men need to wake up. We need to become the spiritual leaders that God's called us to be. There's a big difference between being a spiritual leader and being a dictator, though. A spiritual leader is willing to die for their spouse. So let's talk about what these principles are here, okay? First of all, is real love possible? If the answer is yes, then how does that happen? Well, first of all, we have to pursue real intimacy. We have to pursue real intimacy. Verse 31 simply tells us what? Let's look at verse 31. It says, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. First of all, learn to leave mom and dad. Learn to leave mom and dad. That's what scripture tells us. Husband and wife have to leave mom and dad and cleave to the one they're with, that is to their, their spouse. You got to leave mom and dad. I'm going to be honest with you guys. That's one of the biggest issues. Nobody wants to deal with it, but it's huge. I had a young young lady a couple years ago that um, had a, a pastor, and this is the number one reason we 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 lose these young men in the ministry is because their wife won't follow them. They won't move away from family. I'm serious. I see this constantly. Uh, I have a young man right now who um, phenomenally talented, but won't won't uh, is now working in Colorado teaching uh, uh, sign language in a junior college. Uh, he's one of the most brilliant young men I've ever, I've ever made. He played football at Liberty. He could have easily been a professor at Liberty, but he'll never get a chance to do that because his wife will never go anywhere to let him do that. I had a student a few years ago that we, we recommended him to be a youth minister up in New York. Now, this, is, this was northern New York, and it was a really good church. The, the pastor there is a phenomenal guy great opportunity for this young man to learn from him. Well, they move up there, and every other weekend, she was driving, taking off on Thursday, driving from northern New York down to North Carolina, staying Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, and going back every Sunday, every other week. This went on for about six months till finally he had to resign the church. You know why? Because the, the mama wouldn't cut the umbilical cord, and neither would the girl. It's not just girls that do that either. It's guys. Maya, I remember when Debbie and I first got married, we had moved to Fort Worth, Texas for seminary. We'd been married about a year and a half or so, maybe two years at this time. And Debbie one night looks at me and she says, why do you always tell your mama everything about us? I said, I don't. She said, yes, you do. I said, no, I don't. (laughs) I don't. She said, yes, you do. Next time I'm on the phone, I'm talking to my mom and halfway through the conversation, I'm going, yes, I do. And so I stopped doing that. I stopped telling my mom all the things about it, our, our marriage, realizing that was mine and Debbie's business. And my mom, of course, you know, being mom, said, I just don't feel as close to you anymore. <laughs> I said, well, guess what, mom? You're not supposed to. supposed to. I'm supposed to cleave to Debbie, not to you. Now, me and mom are fine now. But the point is, if you, don't, if you never cut that umbilical cord, that umbilical cord will eventually get wrapped around your neck. It will strangle out your marriage. Every single time. You've got to cut that umbilical cord. Number two, for this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother. All right? How about this one? Two, become one flesh in Christ. Be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Now, what does that mean? The phrase there that's used, it means of the deepest kind of intimacy. If you don't know what the word know means in the New Testament, like when Jesus says, depart from me, I never knew you. That concept there, that idea of to know, to, you know, to have known, it, it comes from an Old Testament word, and it was transliterated into the Greek, and it means to consummate a marriage. So when he's talking about becoming one flesh, he's talking about becoming one flesh together that you intimately know each other, that you, that you, you, you understand. And, and by the way, if you've been married for any time period at all, you intimately know each other. You know things about each other that nobody else knows. You hear the other person snore. You, you know everything about them. You know, you know whether they clean their clothes up or not. You know all those kinds of things. You know, don't you? Come on. We know those things. We're supposed to cleave with each other and be one flesh. Which means I'm supposed to give myself to Debbie the way I give myself to Debbie only to her and no one else. No one else in my life should know me to the level and the depth that my wife knows me it goes both ways by the way this first step to having an affair always starts with emotions when you detach your emotions with your spouse because you're going through a rough time and you attach it to someone else outside you're one step away from absolutely just blowing everything you never come on no one wakes up in the morning and says, you know, I think I'm going to blow my life today and have an affair. People don't do that. What happens is people, it starts over here when people are in, they go through maybe a rough time or situation, something like that, and they get enticed and they let their eyes go somewhere. And next thing you know, they're, they're, they're trying to the, can be around this individual and talk to them more and more next thing you know they're connecting with this individual next thing you know they're emotionally connecting with this individual and that's one step away from physically attaching themselves to that individual and when you do that particularly you will destroy your marriage, your reputation and your family guys there's only one person that, that you're supposed to become one flesh with and that's your spouse that's it that's why you don't go with your buddies, guys, and share with them everything that goes on in your marriage. And ladies, you don't do the same thing. I don't worry about the guys as much when it comes to that now. I'll be honest with you. I mean, for guys, having a real good conversation means, uh, how you doing? I'm doing great. <laughs> I mean, my, I go play golf, and my wife says to me, she'll say something to me like, well, how's Tony? Uh, he's good. How's Brenda? She's good, too. Did he ask about me? Yeah. What'd you say? I said, you're good too. <laughs> I mean, that's it. You ladies get together and y'all talk about everything that we have, you know. My husband is driving me nuts. He's driving this That kind of thing, you know. We have to be real careful that we do not give our, ourselves emotionally away because that's what it means to become one flesh. We're connected there, okay? All right? So, pursue real intimacy. How do we do that? Well, we recognize that real intimacy is always more than physical. I, wanna, I want us to play a video here for you in just a second. And I want you to watch this. How many of y'all have watched that movie, Diary of a Mad Black Woman? Then you've seen this part of the video. It's, it's, a, it's a pretty interesting thing. So I'm going to ask him to go ahead and pull that up there. Why don't you go ahead and click on that. Pull that on up there, okay? Let's watch this real quick, okay? We had to get here early and figure out how to get all this to work. Yeah, yeah, it does. (laughs) Here we go. If I'm away from you for more than an hour, I can't stop thinking about you. I carry you in my spirit. I pray for you more than I pray for myself. I got it so bad for you. I'd, I'd go to the grocery store and I'd, I'd buy your feminine products. I swear I would. <laughs> and Christian. Last night was so amazing. Even though we both wanted to make love, he chose to give me something better. He gave me intimacy. I haven't felt this way in, well, never. You know what's strange is that I think, Charles... Because if he hadn't been such a terrible man to me, I wouldn't know what a good one feels like. All they right. We're going to go ahead and pull that off there real quickly. Now, don't, don't click at the corner. There you go. All right, good. Anyway, real quickly, just just if if you saw the video, if you've seen that movie before, it's a really good movie. It's a good one to rent, by the way. Tyler Perry's a real good Christian guy. And and uh, one thing that I love about what she says there is is that we equate guys' particularly intimacy with being physical. Oh, uh oh. Yeah, you gotta cut that one off. You need me to come back there and help you with? Go up at the top and just cut it off. <laughs> you you work with a Mac all the time, don't you? Yeah. That's what I thought. Okay, here we go. All right, here we go. Let's get back up here real quick. There we go. All right. Now, uh-oh. Just go up there and click the click the top up there, and it'll, it'll go out. Okay. There we go. All right. Thank you. Well, uh, in the movie, what happens is the woman, the woman, her husband abuses her, and after 18 years of marriage, he gives her he divorces her after. On their 18th, you know, anniversary and all this kind of stuff, and he brings in another woman, marries her, she has kids, all this kind of stuff. It's a long story about what all happens. In the process of this, she meets this guy. He's a Christian guy, and he's he's also a, where's he at? He's also a Tennessee fan because in the back of his truck it has a T on it. It's a good thing I like that. But anyway, he uh, <laughs> he's he's a um, uh, he's a Christian fella. And he meets her, and, and what I love about what he she says is, she says, even though we wanted to be physical, he gave me much more. He gave me intimacy. Intimacy is much more than just being physical. Intimacy is built when we are willing to give ourselves to another individual. True intimacy is built on trust, not just physical attraction. I tell my students that love is not lust love is trust that we have to learn that real intimacy is much more sometimes the greatest kind of intimacy i can give my wife is conversation sometimes it's just listening to her in fact it's interesting i do a whole message on learning to listen and and one of the things that that was i thought was rather unique was a couple of years ago i saw um, her one one morning on one of the news channels and they, had, they they quoted some study that had been done and found out that they asked women what the most attractive thing was with men. And guess what it was, guys? It was a man who made them laugh and would be willing to listen. Think about that. We do all the stuff to keep our bodies so studly, and they don't give a flip about that. All they want us to do is listen, right? So we can eat all the donuts we want, can't we? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, the point being is that there's... Listening equals love. It is a level of intimacy that we need to understand, okay? It is. True intimacy grows from relational honesty and genuine communication. It grows from relational honesty and genuine communication. Genuine communication, being able to sit down with each other and have a conversation. And what I've noticed, particularly with this generation, particularly with young men, they don't know how to have conversations. They don't. Because everything in their life is dictated around the, the you know, technology. And by the way, ladies, most of the young women I have in my classes aren't much better. Even though their studies reveal that you guys speak twice as many words in a day as we do, you know, I would imagine those same studies would show that a lot of those words aren't nearly as profound as they used to be. Because we don't understand what intimacy is. True intimacy is... Is relational honesty. It's being able to be honest in front of the individual. It's being able to speak to them. It's being able to listen and for them to listen to you. And it's also genuine communication. You know, true intimacy with each other, mirrors deep intimacy with God. The no principle I mentioned earlier. The idea that, that that to know God, guys, you will never have a deeper relationship with your wife than you have with God. And ladies, You'll never have a deeper relationship with your husband than you do with God. Because, think about this. You do not become one. It's impossible mathematically to take one plus one and make it one. God is the one that makes us one. It's in Him that we're made one. And that's that idea of knowing Him and what that's about. Okay? all right. Number two. Remember that love, life, and especially marriage... Are at best a great mystery. Would you agree with that? It is a mystery sometimes, isn't it? Yeah. Have you ever have you ever woke up, woken up, sometime and looked across and saw your spouse and thought that they were an alien? You know, you know what I'm talking about. Where did they come from? How could they think that way? Really? How does that make sense to anyone? Right? I mean, seriously. We, you know, when you really think about this, when we when we process this, we are such different creatures. We really are. You know, one of the things I share and sometimes in my classes and we talk, when we talk about listening is the whole idea that, ladies, you are better listeners than us guys. Would you agree with that, yes or no? Yes, you are. You are better listeners than us guys. You are. Do you know why you're better listeners than us guys? Because you listen with your eyes, your ears, and your heart. You, you automatically understand and listen empathetically you do come on like i said you have a couple guys at a table they'll sit there and kind of go uh you put a group of women at a table man in a restaurant they're all their hands are going crazy they're all breaking in on each other they're all talking that's that's just that's just the way it is the way that you say something in 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 woman world is as important as what you say oftentimes you're better listeners than us guys here's the problem here though the problem here is you expect us to listen the same way you do, and that's what causes so many problems in our marriages. It's the truth. I'm going to be be honest with you here. My, you know, my wife, for instance, I, I, we we've been married just a short time, and one day she walks in, she's got a big old basket of towels, and I'm watching a Tennessee football game, and right in the middle of the floor she drops the towels. Now my immediate my, my, my male mind went to the thing of thinking, my sweet wife loves me so much, she's going to come in here and watch this football game with me while she folds those towels. Uh, Ladies, is that what my wife was telling me? What was she saying? Then why didn't she say that? <laughs> she never once said that. How do I know unless she says that? Right, guys? Because we get in trouble all the time for stuff we don't even know exists. Is that not right? My wife tells me all the time. I told you four times. When did you tell me four times, honey? You didn't. I told you while you were watching the ball game. The other, honey, you don't tell me anything. I'm watching a ball game. I'm screaming and throwing stuff. You don't ask. You don't tell me. Tell me something then. I mean, come on. It's the truth. We, we, you expect us, ladies, to, to a lot of times. And guys don't do that. Guys do not. Do not naturally do that. We don't. We don't. We don't catch on to. If you haven't noticed this, we don't catch on to nonverbal real well. You, ladies, y'all talk in circles. You can have a group of other ladies and talk all around something and know exactly what you're saying, and have a guy there and he's going, "What? What? Huh? They never said that. Yes, we did. No, you didn't. Come on, it's the truth. It's the way we shop. Guys, I have a list. They go to the store, they get exactly on their list, and they go home. They go to the mall especially. My wife and my daughters, when I go shopping with them to the mall, it's like going on a safari. I mean, we go from store to store to store, and they got to try everything on, and all this kind of stuff. It takes hours. I go shopping for 20 minutes, you know? I mean, isn't that right? Go in and get home, you know? I mean, and it's just it's different. So I'm going to give you something here. Just a little side note here to think about this. Ladies. Please, please do, do do your husband a favor. Write him a list of what you want him to do. Right, guys? Right? Write a list. And some of you ladies are going, I, kn- I know what you're thinking. Right now you're thinking, you're thinking, if I, write, I have to write him a list, I'd just rather do it myself. And every guy here is going, that's fine with us. Go ahead. <laughs> Let's go ahead. But it's the truth. You know, I, I find this particularly in people that have been married very long, it's, you know, like you guys, is that, that, it's that they, you know, she's like, well, if I gotta just do that, I'll just do it myself. No. Let me tell you something. If you're going to have a long-term marriage that's going to endure, at some point you got to realize you're not like each other and you've got to write out a list. you just got to. My, my wife, uh, we had Thanksgiving a while back at my house and we had a bunch of stuff we had to get done. I went to my wife and I told her, I said, sweetheart, here's the deal. I'm home all day tomorrow. I will help you do anything. She wanted me to hang a light from the ceiling, all this kind I said, I'll do whatever you want, I promise you. But here's the deal: you gotta put it on a list for me. If you don't give me the list, I'm not responsible for it. Even if you tell me five times, I am not responsible. And if you don't give me a list, I'm gonna sit my high knee right over there and watch football all day, okay? So give me a list. Why is that so hard to do, ladies? Because we don't think that way. It's the truth. Now I'll say this, one of my greatest tools I have in ministry is my wife. We've been been married a couple weeks, and we went back to my church there in McMinnville, Tennessee. And we had a couple that came out of church one Sunday. I'll never forget this. They walked out of church, and, and we gave them a hug, and we were talking to them and everything like that. And everything was great. And I got out to the car, and I told my wife, I said, Sweetheart, if we hurry, we can go pick up a pizza. We can go home. We can watch football and take a nap. Let's let's do it. It's a good day to me, you know. And and she says, we can't do that. I said, why? She says, we got to go see that family. What family? The one that just walked out. Honey, they're fine. No, they're not. How do you know? I just know. Honey, they are fine. I just saw them. They're good. She said, no, they're not. I know they're not. I said, how do you know that? I just know. So we got to the end of the driveway. You turn right and go to football. In pizza, you turn left to go up in the mountains and find this family. Which way did I go, guys? Left. That's right. Because happy wife, happy life, right? (laughs) That's exactly it. So we turn left to go riding up in the mountains, and we find their house. I'll never forget this. I'm griping all the way up there thinking this is the stupidest thing in the world. We get out of the car. We're walking up there, and I'm still going, I can't believe we're doing this. It's stupid. We get up to the door. We knock on the door, and this young, this couple comes to the door. They open up the door. I kid you not. This is what they said. They they looked at us and they went, how did you know? Because I'm a good pastor. (laughs) (laughs) No, I didn't do that. My wife, she listens with her eyes, her ears, and her heart. So there's a reason why God gives us each other. Rather than competing against each other, as if one of us is wrong, one of us is right, why don't we compliment each other? Does that make sense? And by the way, let me give you one more side note here too. Just, and I'll go forward with this, right? Is that ladies, I've, I've kind of picked on the guys here because you guys are better listeners, but we do, we do conflict a whole lot better than you do. It's the truth. We do. When I was in college, I had 16-ounce boxing gloves over my rafters in my, in my room. If we got mad at each other, me and the guys would go down the hall, put on those boxing gloves and beat on each other, right? Whoever won. Took the other guy across the street, bought him a big tea, which was a big hamburger, french fries, and a Coke, Buck eighty-five. That was it, okay? By the time we sat down and talked for 45 minutes and we were walking back across the street to our dorms, we were best friends again because that's the way it works in manland, doesn't it? Guys, it doesn't work that way in woman world. It doesn't. It doesn't work that way in woman world at all. I've had daughters, guys. I remember my daughter came in one day and she told me, she said, Dad, me and Sarah had a fight. <laughs> she's just upset and everything like that. I turned, she's over here, being consoled by my wife and my other daughter, and they're all having a big hug fest. And I promise you, this is what they did. I looked at them innocently, I thought profoundly, and said, Dana, did you and Sarah try to talk about it? All at once, all three of those women looked at me and said, that would never work. So six and a half weeks later, my daughter walks in one day. She said, "Dad, me and Sarah are friends again." I said, "What did you do?" She said, "We talked about it." <laughs> let, me, let me give you a little rule here that works in marriage that I do in, in premarital counseling. It's called the three-hour rule. Here's the three-hour rule. Here's what. Here's how it works. Okay, if you get into an argument with each other, you look. The, 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 that Your spouse, and you say to them, I'm evoking the three-hour rule. Which means he or she has to immediately be quiet and leave you alone for three hours. You can go anywhere you want to. You can go work out. You can go to the movies. You can go to the mall. You can go wherever you want to go. It don't matter for three hours. But at the end of that three hours, you come back and you talk it out. Because here's what happens guys want to fix it right away don't we guys you ladies want to think about it and process it and then let it run through your emotional filters and all this kind of stuff and so here's what happens five days later you're ready to talk about it man we done moved on to 14 different things by the time you talk about it we've done forgotten what it was all about <laughs> it's the truth i'm, I'm serious I be. Like and, and 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 so we're all we're apologizing for something we don't even remember we did we don't have a clue. And here's what, here's, here's what I'm convinced happens in marriages. Is that eventually, because of that, we don't really get to deal with the real issues at hand. So therefore, you think it's resolved, ladies. The guy over here is pushing it down further. And eventually, one day, he wakes up and goes, I got all this unresolved anger in me. I don't know why I've got all this unresolved anger in me. It's because we never resolved anything. You know, it's the truth. And, and so, here's the deal. The Bible says, do not go to sleep on your anger. Don't go to bed on your anger. Unless it is an absolute life-changing issue that has destroyed you. The three-hour rule ought to work. It should. Don't go go to bed on this, guys. I'm, I'm I'm serious. I'm speaking as a guy here. Debbie and I have been married 32 years and I'm telling you, the last few years, I've started, I've started standing up much more and going, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not. Just because you say it so, don't make it so. You know, just because that's just it, it. And then I'm, I'm calling this out more and more. Why? Because, again, I, I, I respect the fact that my wife needs to process. But she don't need to process for six weeks. And I don't need to fix it right away because I want to get it over with. So there's got to be a happy medium in the middle. And if first, anything you can't resolve in three hours, then you probably need a counselor. Does that make sense? I'm serious as I could be, guys. I really believe with all my heart. That's what happens. We, 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 we let these things get deep inside of us. We sleep on it. We wake up the next morning. We've forgotten about it. And then all of a sudden, we, we're angry. We don't know what it is. And it destroys the intimacy of our relationships. Okay. So the mystery, what is the mystery? Well, one of the keys is learning through listening, learning to listen. Make no mistake, listening equals love. We just talked about that. The whole idea of learning to listen. Look at me, guys. That don't mean we just hear noises. It means that we actually engage and listen to what our spouse is saying. Okay? We listen to this. And guys, I have to remind myself of this all the time. All the time. Because, you know, again, in guy world, you know, we hear three things and we go, okay, that's all I need to hear. But my wife, man, that's not it. My daughters want me to explain, they would explain things to me and they want me to process it with them and everything. So we have to learn to listen with each other, okay? All right? And expect changes. If not, this will kill your marriage. How to respond? Remember your marriage vows. Expect changes. They're going to happen, guys. You're going to get older and your physical change. You're going to have physical changes. You're going to have challenges and stuff. You're going to look a little bit different. You're going to have more gray hair. You're probably going to put on a little bit of weight. You're going to look differently and all these kind of things. There's going to be changes and stuff. Remember your marriage vows. Every time I do a wedding, I tell the people there, I say, listen, here's what I want you to do. Those of you who have been married for a while, I want you, as I speak these vows, I want you to be reminded of the vows you made you know, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years ago because those vows still stand up. And every so often, you should, you should have a date, go out with each other, sit down, and look at those vows again and just talk about what those vows were to make sure you're holding up your end on, on what those vows are, that you haven't forgotten those promises because you made those promises we did before God and each other, Right? So that's a promise that we make. Number two, do not, do not disconnect from each other. I don't want to be that couple in, you know, in, in, in marriage to where she's in one part of the house, I'm in another part of the house. I've got this, she's got that. We've got our two different worlds. I see that all the time. And that's, that shouldn't be natural. We shouldn't disconnect from each other. We should grow closer to each other the older we get. We should learn to appreciate each other more as we get older. It doesn't help to disconnect. The further more you disconnect, the further you grow apart. So don't disconnect from each other. Number three, learn to laugh with each other. Learn to laugh with each other. Learn to laugh at each other. Yes, I did say that. There's funny things happen in marriage. I remember remember one time when Debbie and I just, just got married and we were having this somewhat intimate moment, and all of a sudden, something made me do this. I went, little bunny foo-foo. <laughs> it ruined the whole mood, tore everything apart. But it was hilarious. So from now on, every time I go, little bunny foo-foo, Debbie starts laughing. You know, she knows what little bunny foo-foo is, okay? The point is, is learn to laugh with each other. Learn to laugh. Learn to laugh. Guys, we we get, we get are in such a... a politically correct society we've forgotten how to laugh with each other laugh it's healing Uh, karen kingsbury was in my class this last week and she made the statement she said that studies have revealed that laughter is the only thing that heals your liver it makes you it's something it does with the enzymes of what laughter does learn to laugh so look at your look at your partner right now look at your spouse and just smile at it for a moment okay remember that one little bunny foo-foo moment in your life okay and learn to laugh again learn to laugh because I know those moments exist with every single one of you don't they we do we have those funny moments we do we do we, we do I don't know what it is it could be a thousand different things it, you know I'm not going to go into all the, the funny noises our bodies make but you can imagine that okay value accountability avoid emotional affairs value accountability every one of you should have people in your life who ask you the hard questions if you don't you're going to set yourself up for an affair you will there should be someone in your life men and women who doesn't play a game with you and say okay brother i'm not going to ask you hard things if you will not ask me hard things no If he loves me and cares for me as I do my brother here, I need to dig into my brother's life and ask him the hardest questions. And he needs to do the same thing with me. And ladies, you need people in your life doing the same thing so that we avoid those emotional affairs. Note: do not let technology pervert the sanctity of your love relationship. And we're going to talk about this for just a moment. Don't let technology do this. What do I mean by that? Well, here's just some simple things. Signs of internet addiction. General neglect of friends and family, as well as social norms, jobs, meetings, and social gatherings. You know, I'm going to tell you, that the whole issue of pornography is destroying marriages all over the United States. The technology issue, because we have gotten so attached to this. And By the way, I believe one of the main reasons why we see such a high spike in, in suicide among our young people is because they've so connected themselves to a virtual world that when they have to deal with the real world, they can't handle it because they can never be seven foot tall and be the strongest person in the world, in the ver- in the real world, as they are in the virtual world. Come on, you can get on Madden. You can put yourself on Madden and you can make yourself a stud where nobody can tackle you. And then you can think, yeah, I'm it, man, yeah. But in the real world, we get tackled. So understand this. Number two, suffer or they suffer from serious sleep deprivation due to extended internet hours you know we should stay off of our phones at certain times okay withdrawing from real life activities uh, that were once pleasurable replacing them with a form of digital entertainment it could be netflix guys we've become so addicted come on how many of y'all have ever gotten addicted to a netflix show that you've continued to watch over and over again yeah Blue Bloods, yeah i know them all five times that's right you gotta be careful you gotta be careful you will connect yourself to a virtual world that's a that's a virtual world by the way TV's a virtual world those shows are virtual worlds okay they have tried several times to cut back on internet usage but have failed to curb the behavior we need do any of these signs affect in, in, in any of us okay how about this Social media feeds narcissism. The YouTube, MySpace, F- Facebook generation. Dr. Archibald, Dr. Hart, and a digital invasion book. Facebook and other social media relationships make few demands of us. There's little give and far more take. Digital technology diminishes the emotional intelligence of young people and causes them to have underdeveloped sense of empathy. That's, by the way, studies have shown that over and over again. That our young people don't have empathy for the, each other anymore because, because it was interrupted in the natural. They don't know how to play anymore. Come on, go out to our playgrounds and see if you got kids out there playing. If they are, they're out there on their phone. When we were kids, we used to play all day long, didn't we? We played football outside, we sweat, we, we I mean, I, come on. I would jump my bike all the time and stuff like that and put, build ramps and jump my bike on stuff, you know, and fall back and got skinned knees and I can show you all the scars of my body and everything like that. These kids don't know how to sweat anymore. And, and we've allowed ourselves to be encompassed in the same thing. We can't, we can't. Here's some suggestions, some boundaries for your marriage when it comes to social technology, okay? Number one, Absolutely no technology during family meals, restaurants, or dates. Put it up. Put it up. Unless it's a, an emergency, put it up. I was at a guy's house a while back, a pastor friend of mine. His daughter spent the whole meal sitting over texting. I want to grab her phone and put it in a glass of water and tell her to shut up. Sweetheart, I'm here. I'm a real human being. Talk to me. I make my students put their phones up every day before class. If they don't, I kick them out. You know why? I want them to get to know real people next to them. I don't want them walking in and texting someone someplace else than then actually speaking to the person that God brings to you right next to you. Okay? So don't do this during meals. Don't do this at restaurants. I was, we were at, uh, up in Charlottesville a while back, and I was taking my daughter uh, Kara to the airport up in D.C. for her to fly out and go to the Philippines. And we stopped at a Chili's restaurant because Kara loves Chili's. We stopped at Chili's restaurant there, and we're sitting there. We're all talking and laughing. And this, this guy walks in with his, all of his kids right next to us, and they sit down, and other than when they ordered their food, they never said a word. They sat there the whole time, and every one of those kids are just like this. No. Don't let that happen. Don't let that happen. By the way, your kids don't need, they don't need a cell phone at eight years old they don't need that they don't need to be on Facebook at 10 years old no 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 phones and computers are not to be used after the hours of 9 p.m. or before 7 a.m. my wife has challenged me recently David when you get up in the morning the first thing you need to do is read your Bible not get on your phone and see who's who's emailed you the night before one of your students or something like that so I've been trying Lately, more and more and more that when I get up in the morning to go have my Bible study before I look at any kind of technology whatsoever, it's amazing how much how much better I deal with the other stresses when I've done I've dealt with the Word of God first. Okay. I mean, it may be ten p.m. in your house, but whatever time you go to bed, you need an hour to download without having technology. You know, and you need an hour to sit and talk with each other. Come on, it's truth. I had a, uh, had a young man come to me one day, you'll never forget, this. Uh, you never, you, you'll love this, Jeff, but this young guy came to me. He's about 29 years old when he got married, and he had, he had been single all this time, and he, get, he marries this other girl, been, you know, a long time too as well. He comes to me one day after they've been married about six months, he says, Dr. Wheeler said, I think I made a mistake. So said, what do you mean? He says, well, he says, she and I just aren't getting along. He says, we haven't as much as hardly even hugged each other probably in a month or more. I said, really? I mean, come on, man. I mean, you know, I mean, I don't mean to be crude here, but I mean, you've been married six months. I mean, you should be chasing each other all over the block. You know what I mean? Yeah. You should be, absolutely, yeah. And, and he came to me and he told me that. He said, he said, I don't know what's wrong. I said, well, tell me what you do every night when you come in. He says, well, when I come in every night from work, he said, I come in and I sit down. I turn on ESPN and watch baseball. He said, my wife comes in. She says, hello. I say hello to her. She goes in and she cooks the dinner. And we sit down and she sits with me for a few minutes while we watch baseball. And we eat our dinner. He says, he says, she sits over there for a little while. And then she gets up. And then about 9 o'clock, she goes in the bedroom. He says, every night about 1130, I go in the bedroom and go to sleep. He said, after I've watched all the baseball games. He said, I can't figure out what's wrong. I said, dude, here's what I want you to do tonight. I want you to go home and greet your wife at the door. And when she comes in and she goes in and starts cooking dinner, you go cook it with her. You shut the TV off. Rather than watching TV while you're eating, sit at the dinner table and talk. After dinner, you help her clean up, and then you go for a walk with her for a while. And just talk more. I said, when you come back, if she wants to watch a show, you watch her show. When she goes to bed at 9, 9.30, you give her about 15 or 20 minutes, and you walk in there and just hang around a while. See what happens. <laughs> he, he came to me a few days. but a week later, he says, Dr. Wheeler, you should write a book. That was amazing. He had no clue. You know? Disconnect, guys, for a while. Get to know each other. Okay? All right? Time spent on, on websites that are lar- largest time consumers, uh, such as Facebook, YouTube, Pinterest, Netflix, etc., should be monitored and limited for adults. Uh, and by the way, I don't have a clue what Pinterest is. I don't care. I- I've heard people talk about it. I don't have Facebook either, so I don't get that in. I don't have a Netflix account. So, you know, I. anyway. So, individual users... Uh, time limits on video game consoles should be activated and maintained. Guys, get off Madden. Get off whatever that is. We had a guy, this is a true story, had a guy that was dating my daughter for a while. My oldest daughter is absolutely knocked down gorgeous, okay? She's a beautiful young lady. Dana's a phenomenal athlete too. He was a baseball player at Liberty. He'd drop her off every night about 10.30 so he could go over and play war games with his buddies on the internet with a bunch of sweaty guys. And I looked at my daughter and I said, what? I said, let him come here next week. I'll show him war games. I'll shoot his tires that way. He's driving up the street. (laughs) Really? You're going to drop my beautiful daughter off so you can go sit around with a bunch of sweaty guys? and (laughs) Really? Then you can have that because you ain't having her. That's stupid, guys. Don't get so caught up in all this, okay? It is. Number three. Most importantly, remember that love and respect are equal and essential. There's five, I think four or five points here that I want to give you. Number one, what does it look like in real life? Number one, how do you speak to her or him? The Bible says, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but what is honoring to God and building up of each other. How do you speak about each other when you're with each other? How do you speak about each other when you're not with each other? Come on, my wife, even when I frustrate her and make her upset, should be my number one supporter. I should always know that my wife has got my back. I should always know that. And you should know that, ladies, that your husband has got your back. That's what it should be. How do we speak to each other? Do we call each other names? Do we belittle each other? Do we say things, you know, that when we shouldn't say them, Without stopping and realizing that what we're saying just drives them further away. I know of a young couple that my daughter and I have got to know pretty well. And she speaks to him horribly. She'll do it in public. She'll do it around anybody. She, and she wonders why it is he don't want to be around her. I wouldn't either. I'm surprised he's still with her. I think the only reason why he is, is because they got a little, girl, little boy. I mean, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't, you should be the number one supporters of each other. That doesn't mean you don't sit down sometimes, close the doors, and be honest with each other and have conversations that help you grow further. But that doesn't mean you belittle each other. We should never belittle each other. All right? Number two, is she a treasure to you guys? Oh, beautiful are you, my darling. There is no flaw in you. Do you treat your wife like she's a treasure, guys? Do you? If you don't, you should. My, my dad treated my mom like she was a fine piece of china. And my mom wasn't real easy to live with sometimes. I can be honest, and she'll tell you that right now. But my dad, he would treat her amazing. He taught us how to treat our spouses of the way that he responded to my mom. Do you treat them like a treasure do you treat them like you would give them the same respect you would anybody else? Do you treat them like they're a fine piece of china? Number three, men, what do your eyes say? Everyone who looks on a woman with a lust for her has committed adultery with her already in her his heart. This is one thing I've noticed big time. I was sitting in a restaurant a while back, and I looked over, and there was this couple there. And every time, and, and, and he, I don't know. They were married or what, but she was gorgeous. She was beautiful. And this guy's sitting there, and every time the waitress went by, he'd do this. Check it out the waitress. Ladies, just so your husband understands, you do notice where his eyes go, don't you? Yes or no? Yes or no? You do. And it tears out your wife's spirit. My brother used to sit in front of the TV screen and... And he would talk about how beautiful these women are. And it just offends me. No. When my wife got sick, Debbie went through all kinds of stuff. And in the first several months gained quite a bit of weight because of the medication all this kind of stuff. And the scars and everything from all the surgeries and all this. I made up my mind early that I, would ne- I didn't want her to never have another day of her life where she didn't feel like she was loved and that she wasn't the most beautiful thing in the world to me. What your eyes say, say a lot. Now, guys, you can check out your wife all you want. I think she's probably going to be okay with that. And if she's not okay with that, she needs to get in the game too, okay? But it's, it's, I'm serious. What our eyes say. Because particularly as men, we are so stimulated with our eyes. By the way, let me say this to you too. That's not just a male trait anymore. Um. You know, studies revealed that almost 50% of young women in their teens now have have serious issues with addiction to pornography. I've seen it over and over again with my students. I started noticing about five or six years ago that my, my, the girls in my class would come up to me and go, Dr. Will, you talk about a, a pornography, but you talk about it as if the women don't have problems with it. She, and they would say, I've had serious problems with it. My, my daughter... Was got an undergrad degree in psychology. She was on a, a, a program called the Daniels Program at Liberty, and, and they would do this research and study, and one of the presentations they made to the Virginia Psychological Association was that they had, they had found at that time that 40% of young women uh, suffer from serious issues related to pornography. So we have to be careful where we let our heart go and our eyes go, okay? Because the Bible tells us our eyes are a picture or a snapshot into our soul, as are our words. That's why our words are so important. Finally, ladies, do you actively try to respect your man? Well, let let the wife see that she respects her husband. I'm going to speak to you tonight, and then we're going to we're going to take some time and answer some questions because I think we're probably about that far into this thing. I think we are. Just want to make sure of this. Yes, we are. So I want to say this to you. Ladies, let me tell you what your husband wants from you more than anything else. He wants your affirmation. He wants your approval. He wants to know that in your eyes, he's the greatest stud there ever was. I'm serious. He wants to know that you appreciate him. And let me tell you what happens. Let me tell you this. When you use your words and you attack him and you continue to nag him and tell him the same thing over and over again let me tell you what what happens after about the third or fourth word all he hears is wah 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 and he shuts you off am i right guys now the guy's going don't get me in trouble (laughs) but it is the absolute truth because if you want him to love you like christ loved the church and to gave him give himself for it which by the way We have been given the greater responsibility to die for you. All God says you to do is respect us. But if you don't respect him, don't expect him to respect you back. I'm serious, I could be. I'm serious. I see this all the time in marriage. She'll just ride him all the time. She can't figure out why he won't won't do everything she says. It's because I can promise you what he's already done. He's already figured out another way to get around this. He's built him a garage somewhere. He's, he's, he's bought him some, an extra truck. He's got something else going on. He's figured out some other hobbies to do. He's got some other ways he can be going from the house because he do not want to hear the wah, 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 wah. Listen to me. Well, I, I walked out to the car the other day. And my wife helped me load up the car for something. And she stopped for a moment. She looked at me and she simply said, David, I just want you to know how proud I am of you. I'm so thankful that you're my husband. I love you. You need to know that. Man, you know, what that time, I just, my chest got bigger. I stood up stronger, and I'm going, honey, who you want me to kill? (laughs) I'll do it right now. I'll shoot them dead, baby. I'm telling you. Right now, if, if they're bothering you, they're done. I'm serious. Because what she did was just affirm me. And as a man, that's what I want from my wife. Is that not right, guys? Yes or no? So you've got to be really careful when discussing becomes wah, wah, wah. And guys, you've got to be really careful that when when listening becomes no no no. Together, you've got to connect in this, okay? Again, Scripture says we're told as husbands to love our wives as Christ loved the church and to die for it. At the same time, you know... You, ladies, are told to respect us. Now, you know, by the way, don't set that standard of respect so high that nobody could ever get it. Don't. You married him for a reason. And I'm trusting that God put you together, right? Then rekindle that whole thing. Let God take that don't separate from each other and just cope with marriage marriage is not meant to be coped marriage is meant to be enjoyed it's meant to be fun yes that three letter word it's meant to be to be something that we we that god's given us as a gift it's not to be meant to be just endured So you've got to sit down and have some honest conversation with each other.